The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Yes, football chat all the way between now and seven o'clock. Glasgow's own Go Radio, and uh, Monday to Friday, five till seven. It is uh, football chat coming your way tonight with Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, and former Celtic striker Simon Donnelly is with us in the studio, and we better give him his full handle. Really, former Celtic and Scotland striker. Um, Queen's Park, Sheffield Wednesday, St Johnston, Dunfermline, Partick Thistle, and as of a few days ago, Brecon City assistant manager. How's it sounding? You forgot Dundee United there. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Dundee United. <laughs> and Just for the Dundee United fans. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They remember you with such fondness. Um, and Brecon City assistant yeah. manager. Yeah, yeah. If you'd said to me a couple of weeks ago in this studio that I'd be back in football, uh, I would not have anticipated it at all, but yeah, the opportunity arose uh, a week or so ago and I've had two sessions with the boys, so glad glad to be back in. Did Mark Wilson make you an offer you couldn't refuse? Yeah, it was a funny one. We play sixes together uh, with some ex-pros uh, at Rook and Glen and we just got back running a couple of weeks ago after obviously five months in lockdown and it was a conversation that I probably talked myself out before he even asked the question. He said, if you get any intentions of getting back into football to which I answered absolutely not and he followed, <laughs> that, last he words. followed that up with would you like to come in and, and help myself at breaking uh, and it was a funny one because as much as I've not really thought about it as soon as he mentioned it you know there was something within myself I thought you know what and I says give me a couple of days to, to think about it and I'm, I'm back into the, the crazy world of senior football Did you have to find out where breaking was firstly? I've got a rough idea. It's it's <laughs> north of where I stay, uh, but we, we we train at Grangemouth, so yeah. that's a, a nice facility through there at Little Kers, and you know it's it's easy for me to get to. It's an hour, but we're only actually going to be heading north for for, for matches. Now this time last night, Ali, we were speaking about uh, Nicola Sturgeon, wondering what she had in store for us today, because obviously we're looking ahead with anticipation. It's two games on Saturday with fans involved. It's been a long, long time, but uh, and those are going ahead. That's the good news out of today. The bad news is that uh, the return of fans generally to Scottish Sports Stadia has been delayed until the 5th of October at the earliest, says the First Minister. Uh, you've got some more details there. Yeah, as you said, Rob, we were worrying that this weekend would be what she was alluding to yesterday, but it turns out the previously indicated date of the 14th of September has been pushed back. That's three weeks, and that's due, of course, to the rise of COVID-19 cases. But two Scottish prem- uh, Premiership Test events, Aberdeen, Kilmarnock and Ross County against Celtic, will go ahead on Saturday as planned, with further possible pilots, um, which will be judged on a case by case basis. So up to 300 supporters will be in attendance at both Petaudry and the Global Energy Stadium on Saturday that we knew of. Um, and the first time supporters, will, of course, will have been in attending Scottish football matches since March. Um, last month the Pro 14 rugby match between Edinburgh and Glasgow Warriors that saw 700 spectators at Murrayfield is the only Scottish sport pilot ever uh, event that's been held so far but the prospect of welcoming back larger crowds this month is now over unfortunately with the average daily rate of coronavirus cases in the week up to yesterday having been risen to 55 from just 14 six weeks ago. Yeah, we've got local lockdowns going on, of course, at the moment. And, and it just feels like a, a really fragile situation, Simon, doesn't it? It does. It's, it's crazy times, to be honest. Uh, you know, everybody's looking at it positively or trying to look at it positively. But 
these spikes and things, it's just evident that this virus isn't going away anytime soon and we've got to tread really carefully as a as a sport. Uh, we've obviously had a couple of setbacks with the Aberdeen players and then Bollingoli early on and we're really on our kind of last legs with it. It's great to see some fans getting back in this weekend but again, frustrating news that it's been put back, you know, to, to get more in. So there will be fans at Petaudry for Aberdeen against Kilmarnock and there will be a few hundred fans as well in Dingwall for Ross County against Celtic. So encouraging news at least. Um, those test events are going ahead. And here's the Celtic captain, Scott Brown. He's played really well against us as well and he's a fantastic footballer. He's young, he's keen and he wants to be at this club and I think that's him. That's the main thing for us, and Shane is the exact same. He's he's a leader, great in the air. He's good with the ball at his feet as well, and he's a strong defender. But it's a great um, few signings that we've brought in recently, and that's definitely going to help strengthen the squad. Obviously delighted to get the fans back in. We'll hear from him on that subject in a moment. Speaking there about the strength of the squad and the recent signings, I mean, Albion Ayeti is a while ago now because he's uh, he's been into the side off the bench, scored a couple of goals, um, and obviously there's been all that talk about Celtic playing a couple of games without a recognised striker. Um, Shane Duffy, of course, is the most recent arrival, and uh, Scott Brown was talking there about a player he knows very well. He's seen plenty of him already, and he's already made his debut for Celtic, David Turnbull. Uh, how excited are you about what he does, Simon? I think Turnbull can be a real player for Celtic. I've, I've, what I've seen, I like. Uh, I've heard he's a really good boy. You know, I've, uh, my friend Craig Hinchcliffe's on the staff at Muddle, says he's a, a tremendous kid. He's obviously had to bide his time, you know, with injury last year and he thought he was getting his crack at Celtic this time last year. He's been patient. By all accounts, he's been Muddle's best player this season so far. So I think even Brown talking about him there, I think it's a perfect time for, for somebody like Turnbull to go to Celtic and learn off Scott. You know, it's going to be a position where he might take over there, you know, after Scott uh, hangs the boots up. But it's a fantastic one for him to get in and learn everything about Celtic under a fantastic skipper like Scott Brown. And if you listen to Stephen Cragen, who's, of course, Mr Motherwell speaking about him, and when he's in here, we have to speak to him. We've got no, no great choice. Uh, he'll tell you, because my, one of my early doubts was, well, wait a minute, how strong are Celtic in the midfield area? How is he possibly going to get in? Is he not better being loaned back and maybe playing a bit more game time at Motherwell? But Stephen Cragen's reaction to that is, well, he's going to elbow his way and he, he's got big talent. He One way or another, he's going to get in there. He wants to play. I've got a funny feeling that Craig's is right as well. I think if if I think he's the right type from what I hear, I think if he gets his chance he'll take it. You know, and at a club like Celtic, that's exactly what you want. You want competition all over. You're quite right saying that it's a strong position in Celtic's uh, team. But I think if the kid gets a chance, I think he'll go in and take it with both hands. What about Shane Duffy? How do you greet that signing? He's obviously very ex- uh, very excited because he's a big Celtic fan. I like it as well. You know, he's experienced, he's an international, he's played in the top league down in England uh, for a, a number of seasons. I think we touched on it a couple of weeks ago when I was on the show about, you know, inc- importance of cover at centre-back for Celtic. And I think he's going to, again, I think he'll push to, to get in the starting eleven, And it just means that the other two have got their, their work cut out to get the jersey. Will he go straight in? I think in he will. Yeah. I think he will. I think he will. Uh, he's up to speed, he's played enough games. As I say, it's going to be a wee kick up the backside for the other two. You know, as I say, competition for for places. You know, the other two have maybe been criticising the European game, uh, 
and definitely need a wee bit of competition in there so it, it strengthens the, the squad completely and the game at Kilmarnock as well I think where Nicky Kabamba gave them a hard time I think did, for a lot yeah. of Celtic fans that exposed them as being maybe a little bit of a soft touch in that game and, and certainly what, what Duffy brings apart from other things is, is a bit of steel yeah I think he'll bring a bit of aggression to the team uh, I think that's maybe where they've, the other two have lacked a little bit Julian's a big boy and he's scored a lot of goals uh, last season from set plays I think Duffy specialises in that as well and I think he'll bring a wee bit of aggression to the, the centre-back partnership. Of course, there's still loads of question marks o- over what's happening at the moment. I mean, Chris Iyer has been the, the subject of transfer speculation and of course, on, on, the, on the back of the European game, Neil Lennon was speaking about players who were maybe angling for a move. So, um, o- although people are talking about maybe a back three of Iyer and Julian and Duffy, yep. um, there's, there's maybe still some movement to come in that regard. Yeah, but I think from Celtic's point of view, I would I'd like to think they would keep, you know, the other two centre backs there. And if it's going to be a three, then perfect. You've got cover. If it's going to be a two, uh, this transfer window is one of the longer ones of mm. uh, recent times. So I think there might be a few more moves. But for, from Celtic's point of view, I would I would like to. Well, they have added to it, but I would like to keep the other ones. I believe the Rogic deals fell through. Whatever's going to happen there, uh, but you can't have too many good players in a, in a squad like Celtics. Would you expect uh, Albion Ayeti to be ready to start on the back of the break? I would like to think so. Uh, he's obviously had a wee taste. He's came in at Tanadai, scored an important goal, got another goal the following week at Celtic Park. He's had that little bit of time in the, the international break to, to get the training in again. So I would be questioning if he wasn't up to speed. Where do you stand on the on the goalkeeper? Is he is the jury still out? Do we still have to see more of Vasilis Barkas to, to know whether how, how much of a replacement he is for Fraser Forster, who was such a big figure for Celtic? Yeah, I think a couple of things are working against uh, the current goalkeeper. It's his the fee that he's come in. Obviously, it's not a small fee, and the the previous goalkeeper who was outstanding last season. So. I think people were talking about the goal uh, in in Europe uh, against Ferenc Varos. You know, he could have done better. It was rolled under him. But it's, again, early days. He's a goalkeeper as well. He has to bed himself in. But I think at the moment he's got the unfortunate uh, case of being compared to Foster from last year, who was so good. I wonder what Scott Brown thinks about some fans being in the ground in Dingwall on Saturday. Let's find out. It'll just be good just getting fans back into it. Uh, it's crucial that we, we get fans back into the stadium and that we, we start playing in front of them yet again. But as I say, we need to do it safely and this is a little test for us and here's hoping it works well. Yep, Scott Brown on the, the Dingwall experiment and um, yeah, it will, it will be getting monitored closely, obviously. Yeah, I think so. Uh, as I say, the delay... Is getting put back to October, so hopefully we can get through the, the two games at the weekend, learn from it, uh, and, and to kind of move forward from it. Uh, it'll be interesting as uh, everything else is surreal at, the, at this current time. You know, three hundred fans in the in the crowd. It's it's better than nothing. It's not ideal for anybody. Uh, players especially want to go and play. The Celtic players will be used to full houses. Ross County will be used to a full house with Celtic Rangers coming to visit. It's as I say, it's just not ideal at these these times but hopefully we can get something from it and you know progress into the, the October deadline Celtic will be looking to build up some momentum at this stage because they've had a for all sorts of reasons they've had a stuttering start to the season but they'll be looking to just embark on a winning run now and, and try to close that gap with Rangers of course at the top yeah obviously they kind of brought it upon themselves with the, the ball and golly thing uh, 
and find themselves playing catch up at this early stage. But again, I think just with the, the national break there, I think it interrupts always at this time of the year. You know, you're getting your, you're finding your feet domestically, and then it's it's a, an interval for the international break. And I think everybody, I think fans as well, will be looking forward to getting back to domestic duty on Saturday. Full card as well. Yeah, mm. ab- yeah, absolutely. Six games at three o'clock. That's it's not gonna, that's not going to catch on. <laughs> is and it? none of them on Sky either. No, indeed. Um, Ross County could be difficult opposition f- for Celtic because they've got themselves a, a solid. I mean, you wouldn't really, you wouldn't call this a, a free hit, as some people like like to call it. But um, they've they've got points on the board and they've got a bit of confidence behind them. Yeah, they've had a decent start. They've had a decent start, Ross County, and I think Celtic haven't hit the heights yet. You know, they've had a, a stop start start themselves in terms of form. Uh, so it'll be interesting you get the new guys coming in as well see how quick they gel uh, but it's not a straightforward three points for Celtic on Saturday There's a, talking of uh, transfer speculation there's a lot of that at the moment uh, we uh, we had Josh Mullen of Ross County on the, on the show last night and he was uh, giving us a straight bat really to our questions about Ross Stewart uh, but there are bids there have been bids his contract's up at the end of the season um, so there's a limit to how much Ross County would get in terms of a fee, but it would need to be a good offer for them because he is he delivers so much for them in the way of goals. Yeah, and I think clubs like Ross County, it's the balance between balancing in the books and getting the best on the on the pitch. Uh, it's a tricky one. But as I say, I think a lot of clubs are going to experience it this season as well with the transfer window being so long, and you know there'll be clubs there that are looking at it, hoping that it shuts quickly because there's time there and I think there's clubs if, if it goes as long as towards the end of it and you lose a player of that calibre it's hard to bring somebody back in at that level for, for clubs like that they can't just open the, the checkbook It is Thursday and we are starting to look ahead to those games on Saturday off the back of the, the internationals of course as Scotland got four points out of six it's Rangers against Dundee United one of your old teams yeah, thanks for reminding He's just reminded himself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I am playing catch up myself at this stage, um, and that could be awkward uh, for Rangers as well. Dundee United at Ibrox, uh, Mickey Mellon making his first trip to Ibrox um, as a manager, uh, and he's done well so far. Yeah, it's good to see United back in the top flight. They're a top flight side, really. Uh, it's a good fixture, Rangers Dundee United, and. Dundee United gave Celtic a stiff test a few weeks back. You know, their keeper had a great game and Celtic only scored in the last few minutes of that game to get the point. So that'll be a difficult one. As I say, Dundee United have started well and it's good to see them back where, where they belong. And playing youngsters as well. I mean, it's really, really encouraging that to see some of the players come through the academy um, and getting their chance and Mickey Mellon showing his faith in them. Exactly. I mean, that's that's... For me, what the game's all about, you know, at that level, you know, you're not a, a Celtic or a Rangers where you can maybe go and just buy in willy-nilly, albeit they've got some youth around about their team as well. But teams like that, Ross County, it's good to see the youth coming through. It encourages the guys below them, you know, to go and work hard because they see some, they see one of their peers getting into the first team and they want to achieve that. So it's the way forward for me, you know, bringing youth through. And for us as a nation, you know, we've watched the, the last couple of games, a wee bit flat for Scotland, be good to get a conveyor belt of talent coming through. Talking of uh, talent coming through, um, Aaron Hickey certainly qualifies in that category. Uh, the 18-year-old, a Hearts player, no more. 
He is on his way to Italy to play for Bologna. That's what I've dreamt of since I've been a wee guy and stuff. So, nah, just looking forward to playing in the San Siro, one of the biggest stadiums in the world. So, just got to enjoy it. Maybe I get a few games to the first team. Maybe I play a few reserve matches. But anyway, I'm not bothered. I'm just going to try and do my best. Yeah, if he does feature early on for Bologna, the, the San Siro, what a way to start. Having, at one point, not so long ago been thinking about championship football and, and some weird and wonderful locations as far as he's concerned for yeah. his football it could be the San Siro I had to laugh there when he was saying since a wee guy he's only 18 <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I, know. I know he's knocking on a bit now isn't <laughs> since he was four <laughs> I, I think because he, he played in the, the Hearts team so early I think 15-16 he mm. made his debut so yeah a wee guy but it's a, it's a great move for him uh, it's a whole new culture a whole new experience and you know, he's starting the San Siro. Uh, we had a kid, Ryan Gold, at Dundee United. Yeah. Maybe played a wee bit more than, than Hickey has, who went to sport in Lisbon. Uh, and it never really hit off for him, but he's he's done well, you know, in, in current times. I think he was the player of the season last season in the, the league below in Portugal. But it's more a, a cultural thing for these guys. It's in fair play to them going, you know, abroad at that time, at that early stage in their careers. Have you seen much of Hickey? I haven't only really... I think was it the cup final or that they played Celtic at Hamden I've, I've not seen a lot of the kid at all yeah. uh, but, but I've good reports from him but a tremendous opportunity for him to go to Italy at 18 you know and hopefully enhance his career It's a dream move isn't it for the uh, the teenager Aaron Hickey started off at uh, Celtic who will get a slice of the transfer fee as well reckoned to be the total fee reckoned to be around about a million and a half and talking of uh, Celtic it's uh, it's 35 years ago to the day since uh, Jock Steen died. He was Scotland manager at the time. It was that 1-1 draw in Wales, suffered a heart attack and died at the age of 62. And we'll be looking back on uh, Jock Steen with a Lisbon Lion, Bertie Old, after this. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! World Suicide Prevention Day. We were talking mental health on the show last night and we will be speaking on the show tonight on that very subject with Cowden Beath striker David Cox. We will be talking as well on the show, a special guest, the Hibs manager Jack Ross, former St Mirren manager, of course, and his current side against his old one at the weekend in Paisley. They've had such a great start to the season, Hibs, and we'll be talking to Jack Ross a little bit later on. But right now, let's talk to a very special football guest on the show 35 years to the day that Jock Steen died what a legend he was for Celtic and for Scotland yep it's uh, Lisbon Lion Bertie Old joins us hi Bertie hi how are you and thank you very much it's a great honour you've given me because the boss was very very special just like your programme you've covered every inch of it they're tremendous and what, what made Jock Steen special, Bertie? He himself. Because uh, Jock, as you know, got a bad injury when he was a player. And uh, during the time he was trying to get fit, it was very difficult. And uh, he couldn't get himself uh, fit enough to play. But what he did, he asked if it was at all, at all possible for him to train the reserve team. And I was so lucky. That was in the reserve just at the start, and, and for someone that uh, he was a very determined man, and I promise he didn't put up any nonsense. But the big thing about him was he, you had to respect him because his knowledge in the game. 
And that was what Jock was. He was a, a magnificent coach. And if they were a better manager, I never came across him all the time I was in the game. And I respected him tremendously. And so did everyone else. We, we had that respect for him because I'll tell you, they never at any time tried to bring you down in front of anyone. If it's something, something to say to you, we'd pull you aside and, and say to you, listen, your attitude's a bit problem in that part. Let us, let us, and then we're speaking about the full team that he had picked. Let us go on with it and do what we, we have to do. And that's the type of man he was, you know what I mean? He was a very determined man to make sure that you would, you would train. He took the training as well at Celtic Park. And uh, oh, he demanded everything. And what a, what a break it was for us. The, the young players, the Billy McNeils, the Mike Jacksons, the, the John Coleraines, and, and we could go on and on. Because I'll tell you what a change in attitude. He was making, honestly, he was just made for a coach and manager. Bertie. Hello. Bertie, Hello. It's, it's Simon Donnelly here. How are you doing? Uh, How you doing, sir? I'm very pleased. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I felt great until you came on. <laughs> <laughs> No, like you. Listen, I'm missing your Simon, guy. Simon, it's great speaking to you. Honestly, I haven't seen you for a wee while. And you, sir. For this wee bit, for this wee bit of illness, Simon. That yeah. day, I'm, I'm, I'm no going out and boot, but yeah. I'm in mean, the better road, which is so important. And I look forward to meet you whenever I do. That's good to hear. I enjoy all the stories working with you guys over the last two years and at the park. But can you just tell the listeners if you can remember what was Jock's? Team talk before the big one, before the European Cup. Can you remember what his advice was before you guys went on to the pitch? No, well, I, no, I can't even remember exactly what it was. But the big thing about him was he was a, he was, he was a shrewd cookie, honestly. He was a, 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 when he was in the reserve coach, everybody was wondering what he was up to, and it was something different all the time. And when we went, we were on, we went to um, Lisbon, and we were walking on the pitch. And Jock just says, now remember, be yourselves, but don't overdo it. Yeah. So you could picture it, we were at the carry-on, Tig and all that, carrying, hitting each other with a ball. And, <laughs> and, I, think that was only, and, and I think that was the only I think that was the only touch I got. <laughs> <laughs> but as you can appreciate, in the dressing room, it was, honestly, they turned around and they said to each and every one, it's a very special game. And you deserved it because each and every one is has worked hard. Yeah. And we know that you're capable. Let's make sure we entertain. And this is he's always his work. Entertain. You have the ability. Entertain. These people have spent good money to see you entertain. And it was a very same. It never changed anything in, in Lisbon. You know what I mean? And the big thing about it was he always made sure that when when we were coming in touch with Inter Milan or any other team, it was because we had we were a bit immaculate, the dress and everything and that, everything like that. And what we would do, we'd, we'd tell each other funny stories and the laughter and everything. And it was very true. He actually knew how to unwind you and make sure that whenever the game with the referee blew the whistle, that that was you. Change. You're now professional. Let's see you get on with. Bertie, it's Rob McLean here. Um, it's the 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 level of achievement of of what you guys did in Lisbon. It's just grown with each passing year, hasn't it? Um, it was it's so special. 
Oh, honestly, um, I must admit, uh, I love going to games. I go to a lot of home games at Celtic Park, and I love when they see when they support, and it doesn't matter the age group. It could be the granddaughter, the grandson, and the grandparent. And I love speaking to them, because I'll tell you this much, the best support in the world is without fear of contradiction. And they've proved it over the year. You know what I mean? And if you look at the crowds that we get to the park, it's second to none. And the great thing, as I said to you, the great thing about Mr. Steen was, and he was just a, you must remember, he was he was a minor and such like, and for somebody to change the way he did, all he would say is, he'd work with you all week and, and just went in to get your gear on, your your top, your bottom, your socks and that. And he would say, as as he was walking through the lot, he just talked to us, and he would say, entertain. These people have been working hard all week. Entertain. And that was what he just wanted, entertainment. And it, and it relieved you, you know what I mean? He didn't put any pressure on you. He says, you have the capability to get out and entertain. And it, it's interesting to, to hear about his style of management. He, he wasn't he wasn't one, was he, for shouting and screaming? He, he led by example. He expected you uh, to know exactly what your job was. Oh, yes. But, the, oh, no, he could, he could lose the plot a little bit. You know, sometimes, as you know, and, and the game's not changed any, there's some of them would actually think that they could bully you. Uh, I, I see it quite a lot, and I'll, I'll look for it. And I always say retaliate first. <laughs> Get your retaliation in early. That, that's right, aye, that's right. But uh, you, you see, we had so many great entertainers. We had Johnson, God blimey. See, now you couldn't, you couldn't pay him. Bobby Murder, different entirely, different games, different players. But they had the tremendous ability. And the people that was in the, in the terraces and the stand and the enclosure, they adored it. You know what I mean? And then we had the likes of Big Billy, who was honestly majestic in the air. Tommy Gemmell. We speak about goals being scored now from outside the box. He used to hit them, honestly, 20, 30 yards. And that's what that we had something of everything in our poor players. How much do you remember of Lisbon, the detail of that, that day in Lisbon, Bertie? Well, the, 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 the big thing, and, and I promise you, was that uh, Big Jock is the greatest one in the world for just getting you to be yourself. He never allowed you to lose the plot or shout and singing and whatever. He, and what he, what he did, he started to speak about where, where the, the team we were going to play, our team, and also spoke about where, where, where set pieces, throw-ins and such like. And all, all it was was just to keep you at a right tempo, you know, a tempo. And uh, it was like that, right up on the park. We, we went, went up on the bus and we walked onto the park and the inter were there. And it was, honestly, it was so, we were so, we were never too confident. He didn't allow that. He says, he turned around and says, the people's paid a lot of money to come here. Let's give them value for money. Entertain. That was a word that he used all the time. Entertain. And that's all he looked for. He was, a, he was a character like that himself. Even whenever the supporters came up to him and they asked him questions, he gave them the answers and such like, and then a wee bit of humour. 
He was ahead of his time, wasn't he, in that, in that respect? Because we hear a lot about entertainment and football now, about putting, you know, giving the fans that all, all that more. But, but even, even back then, that, that's the word that keeps coming up in, in what you're saying about him, Bertie, was get out there and entertain. The, the fans yeah. deserve it. Yeah, and I promise you, at, ha- at half time, don't get me wrong, he knew the game was still a game of touch and, and, and you had to look after yourself because you know and I know it doesn't matter what sport you're in, they want to bully you. And I used to say to the punters that knew my language, know the Inter Milan ones because I couldn't speak <laughs> Italian. And I say to the big guy going through the tunnel, hey big guy, how you want to play it? You want, you want to 50-50 balls, you want to win them or what you, what, what's your score? It brings it in and know what I was speaking about. But what it was, it was just keeping the the, the, the place going because we're own, my own supporter, two or three behind us and two or three in front of us, heard me speaking to him. And what it was, it was a laughter. But it was something that we were very, very interested in and keen in was to let them know this is just another game. So don't think that we're under any pressure, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a real and talent. It, you know, well, I promise you, when you think about it, Johnson and the Murdochs, the, 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 honestly. And the old. The, oh, I was too old. <laughs> and that, anyway, but as you can remember, Lennox, you know, and, and you had John Clark, you had Billy McNeil, you had everything. Tommy Gemmel scored more goals than any other fullback, and they weren't just tap-ins. They, were, they lifted everybody. And I'll tell you, the big and the most important thing about our team was the people in the terraces and the stands was the supporters. And he was such a big character, Jockstein, that, that, that it was such a big loss uh, when he died um, in Wales 35 years ago. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, honestly, you never go over it. I promise you never go over it. And particular times like just now, where when you're lying in bed, and I must admit, I look back and and I look at Murdy, God rest him. I look at Tommy Gemmell, Jimmy Johnson, Billy. Yeah. Oh, and and and, and all these things come, and, and and it's very difficult to fall asleep immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they were part of you. They were a big part of you, and it was a big part of your life and your family. You know. Yeah. T- taking us up to date, Bertie, um, you know all about uh, a nine in a row Celtic team and, and the current one yeah. is looking to make it ten. Are you optimistic that Celtic are going to do the ten? No, don't do don't, don't, What you're trying to do is give me a sore head. If I could have couldn't to ten, I would have been still playing. <laughs> you know and I know, it doesn't matter what anyone says. Yeah, your next game that was big jock he he believed that whatever he it would come in his mind that we could actually do he was a very confident person and individually as well as collectively he, he spoke to you he just didn't speak to you in a team manner he spoke to you in individuals about maybe Jinky overdoing it particularly before a game and then if he is overdoing it at half time he's turning around and saying well he's end on another ball you know, because he's got the ball too long and he'll need to do us. So <laughs> that was the type of man he was. In that. And see that humour. I don't care who it is. See that humour. It gives everybody their list. That humour. And joke, if you, I'll tell you, I wouldn't have liked because what I left, what I left to Aram and Handy had, 
See, I used to be quicker than him. But I was, I was smaller as well, so I could duck. You know what I mean? A bit of ducking and diving. I, that's right. I, but uh, no, I, I must admit that uh, I don't think it was well before his time. And I was with him when he, when when I was in the reserve. Jock was a reserve team coach, and uh, as you know, he left Celtic. And but I think it was either Benferman or Hibbs. He went to, but I think it was Hibbs first, and then he went to Benferman. I think as manager, yeah, and then yeah. he came, and then That's he right. came to Celtic. And I promise you, it was everything. And, and see the players that I played in the reserve team. You've never seen anything. You were like kids coming out of the primary school, jumping up in the air. Big jokes back, big jokes back. Because it was well before his time. Bertie, it's Ali here. I just wanted to say you've absolutely made my night. You've brought a massive smile to my face. I'm loving hearing your stories. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing them with us. Now listen carefully if you you don't mind my wife listening. (laughs) (laughs) I just kid on. I don't know you. It's always the safest way. Listen, come here. No, the safest way with you because what you do for Scottish football for Scotland itself is magnificent, honestly. And what you do is you give us a serious part and also the humour. And that's what I love and I listen to. Well, you've certainly supplied the humour, as you generally do, Bertie. It's been great, to, he- great to hear from you. Um, and a fitting tribute to the great Jockstein, who, who died 35 years ago. You take care of yourself. Keep well, please. And, uh, and hopefully we'll all see you soon. So thank you very much. And thanks very much for the invitation. Thank you. That was was a serious Celtic legend, Lisbon Lion, Bertie Old on the Go Radio Football Show. We will be talking to the Hibs manager, Jack Ross, next. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. We're interchangeable. Ali (laughs) Defoy, Rob McLean and Simon Donnellyan with us in the studio for Thursday. How good was that to hear from Bertie Old paying tribute to Jock Steen, the incompatible uh, Bertie Old Lisbon Lion. And uh, on the 35th anniversary of Jock Steen's death, of course, the in Cardiff. It was a sad night, wasn't it? The way it all ended up. Anyway, uh, Bertie has put a smile on our face. No much doubt about that. Next up on the Go Radio Football Show, we're going to speak to the, the Hibs manager, Jack Ross. Hi, Jack. Hi, Rob. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm just, um, I'm delighted that you brought me on in the back of that <laughs> Scottish football legend talking about another Scottish football legend, so thanks for that. <laughs> no, no no pressure, but... I'm uh, a St Mirren fan, you're a legend to me, Jack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you're a legend to the Hibs fans at the moment because you've had a great start to the season. Yeah, it's been um, it's been good in terms of results and, and the number of points we've managed to put on the board. I think we've, um, we've still got a bit of improvement to aim for and I think to come in terms of performances but um, having such a long period out for March and then you know an elongated pre-season period I think you're always uncertain as to what exactly you're getting that was those opening fixtures so for us to produce the, the, the results we have done is um, it's terrifically encouraging you know hopefully stands us in good stead for the, for the next part of the season coming up as well I mean, obviously disappointed to, to lose the last game before the break at home to, to Aberdeen. Um, but maybe in the long term, a, a timely sort of reality check because the season has started so well for you and lots of nice things being said about you. And maybe just a little reminder in that game about the, the progress you still have to make. Yeah, I 
yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think to be honest, off with the group I have, it's something that isn't really a concern for me, if anything. I think I've said this in the opening fixture, that sometimes actually to get them to believe in themselves even more. Um, and ironically enough, we actually, the first half against Aberdeen, or the first half hour against Aberdeen was probably the best we had played in two or three games. But such as the fine margins, I think, and, and how little there is between a number of teams in the Scottish Premiership, that um, that can often be the case, and the result doesn't, doesn't follow the performance, if you like. So, um, but, I think what we were careful to do was that if we had started the season with a with a win, sorry, with a defeat, sorry, and they followed up the result there, we would have been we would have been delighted. And I think we started the season with the opening five games, and unfortunately that sixth one came with a defeat. So it was almost putting into perspective for us as a group, particularly as it led into obviously the international break and a and a little time off. Jack, you've taken quite a few of your uh, ex St Mirren players to to join you. How's that working out? Is it some Midden fan? I'm quite gutted. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think all managers will say that they, they do it at times in in their careers, whereby you um you want to work with players that you trust and you know well. Um, I think it's important to have that within your group. You won't always get the opportunity to do so, but if the opportunity comes up to bring a couple of those players, one or two players with you or three players with you that um, you know what you'll get from them and I think it helps you as a manager and I've been lucky enough to do that and um, and they've all contributed today as well and I think they're enjoying if I look at somebody like Paul McGinn for example um, he's somebody who is, is now I think getting the, the, the maybe plaudits more widely that he's deserved prior to him joining Hibs you know, I think his performance level for a long time has been, has been tremendously consistent I think he did that at the moment it's just now I think people are paying more attention to him and sometimes that happens as well and he's also, I think, enjoying that challenge at, at playing for him. So it's, um, it's something that I'm, I'm more than happy to do. Um, unfortunately, sometimes that um, takes a good player away from your previous club, which is sometimes a downside to it as well. Well, we'll forgive you. Jack, Sid here, how you doing? Hi, Simon, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, good, thanks. Just uh, want to ask you after the great start that he's... You have had. I'm going to put you under a wee bit of pressure. What, what are your targets for this year? Can you can you sit on the coattails of the likes of Rangers and Celtic? Silverware, obviously, we've seen in recent years. Stubbsy brought the the Scottish Cup to the club. Is this targets that you set yourself, or are you, don't don't tell me just top six? No, I mean I think I think Simon, you're right, and there's, there's probably two parts of that. One, um, I think I said even when I got appointed that we should always be aiming to win silverware. Yeah. And, and usually that realistically will be in the shape of a cup and yeah. then secure European qualification and that means finishing in the top four. And I think we also, I think during the season we were conscious of that about how we frame that to the players. Um, and so we, we questioned them and, and you know, if I was to say the season objectives were to win the league, I think in a group of 20, 20 odd players, how many of them would buy into that? But yeah. if you ask them what it takes to win a league and what attributes you need to have, I think when they outline them, I think they believe that they have them and they can achieve them. So it, if you set those targets, if you like, about what you can achieve every day and get into games, then it should hopefully be shown in, in the, the results we've had today. And if we keep um, doing that consistently, then the things I spoke about there in terms of being in a position to win a cup and, and qualifying for Europe are achievable. And then, then I think the challenge, because I've done that in recent times, as you yeah, mentioned with Alan, and, and yeah, Neil obviously right. qualifying for Europe, but the challenge is to do it Consistently, you know, like Derek's done at Aberdeen, you know, he's done that season upon season upon season, and that that's the probably the longer term aim for us is can we do that 
season after season after season. And if we do that, then obviously we become a club that's recognised as doing that as well. Yeah, it's a different mentality, isn't it, as well? But you start this, the season so well, and then it's a different pressure on the players, you know, going into games. Not necessarily expecting to win, but you're up there, you know, and you're there to be shot at. Obviously, Rob touches on it there, a little setback with Aberdeen, but it is a different mentality, you know, to go and keep that winning run going. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you'll know that Simon from your playing experiences that I think you'll always have a pressure you put on yourself to play well, and and team will always put a pressure upon itself to win. Yeah. It's never going to go away, irrespective of the size of the club and the position you're in. It's about how you how you grow that pressure in the most positive way and how you learn to deal with it in the most positive way and naturally when you when you pick up good results in the early part of the season it, it does help it helps massively get players to buy into yeah, what you you know or what you've, you've, you've um, challenged them to, to set their targets to be so I don't underestimate the significance of the start we've had because last season we were we were playing catch up yeah. as a club you know from the early part of the season where is it it's still very early, but at the moment we're, we're giving ourselves a good platform for success. Jack, Jamie Murphy looks like a really good piece of business. Um, if he can get back to, to, to where he was, he had that great spell, of course, at Burton Albion, which kind of uh, reinvigorated him. I'm just wondering how much more there might be for Hibs in the in the transfer market in the, in the coming weeks. I mean, there's been talk of uh, Scott Fraser, the former Dundee United midfielder. Is there is there any chance with him? Uh, well, no, Scott signed for MK Dons. Oh, that's gone through, has it? So, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, he... he Thanks for the breaking uh, news. Ago, so, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> happy to help, Rob. <laughs> we, we would still, I think we would, yeah, I've spoke previously about, we would still like to strengthen our midfield area of the pitch. Um, we're, we're quite good numbers in there, probably maybe need a little bit of a different type to have at present. But the whole the whole summer for us, I've seen some of that long period, has been uh, a constant juggling act in terms of moving things around to, to get people in. Even recently, you mentioned Jamie, Darrell Horgan moving on to Wickham allowed us to do that. So um, obviously the window doesn't shut for another for another two or three weeks, so it allows us a little bit more time, but um, it's just making sure of the right one. I wouldn't like to bring somebody in just for the sake of it, because I've got a group that have done well for me um, in the period last season and again this season, and we've got to make sure it's the, you know, somebody that will improve and strengthen us rather than doing somebody for the sake of it. Um, but I would hope that we might, have more, might still have slightly more activity both in and out before the end of the window closes. How big a target this season was to tighten up defensively? I mean, Hibs midfield to front were already sparkling, but um, the goals against and the, and the general tone of the defensive performances this season uh, has been what looks like a big step forward. Yeah, we were... Um, when you're in the, the heat of a season like we were last season, particularly coming into the job mid-season, we it's about just sort of position we were in. We had to secure points, but then we were aware of what probably we needed to improve upon. Then the, the, the season finishing prematurely allowed us more time to reflect. And interestingly enough, I, di- I didn't think that, and, I, and I'm, I stand by this, I didn't think that a lot of players individually were performing poor defensively. So we had the defensive players I thought were playing well in terms of their own individual levels, but as a team. The balance maybe wasn't quite right, and and Alex Gorgett signing has helped us enormously with that. We obviously then had a, a longer pre-season period that allowed us to work hard. That whether we played the back three or the back four, um, what we wanted to do, and it, and those players individually, defensive players have been in very good form, and then as a unit they've performed well. And Alex, I think they would acknowledge that the presence of Alex in the team um, has given us greater balance as well. So there's, there's various there's, there's different factors that have came together, I think, to help us and. 
you know, defensive record, it just shows you the importance of it. You know, I think we had the third worst defensive record last year when it was called to a halt, and you can't finish third in the league with that with that defensive record. So we need to improve it, and thus far we have done. But as I said, we've got a long way to go to make sure we do that over the course of the season. Jack, I'm going to take you back a little bit, it's Ali here, to when you went uh, to your move down south. Now, it was obviously a massive move, but what I was wondering was, what was it like walking into a new job, a new club, at the same time as a massive Netflix documentary? That must have been surreal. Um, yeah, and, and I think I've said this previously, I actually didn't I actually didn't know about the documentary until the day I was being unveiled. Wow. Um, so it was one of those days where I... You know, there is a media presence here, and I had the club media department following me around, but I was conscious there was another TV crew following us everywhere we went, and um, I can't remember one of the actors, I think, broke it to me that they had filmed the documentary last year, and they were going to do a second series. Um, I wasn't, I had various conversations with the owner on the board, and spoke to the players, and we, players and my staff felt that we didn't need any distractions, because the aim was for us to gain promotion club decided that it wanted to do a second series so we had to make peace with that and it was um I suppose it's like everything it becomes it becomes normal after a while um, it was certainly a different experience for me a new experience um I had no issues with the guys who, who were part of Fullwell 73 the production company got on well with them personally but it was certainly something that I think as a as a manager it, it was um I don't think it was something that I was um that I would wish to have um but as part of the modern game, you probably nowadays have to be accepting that it might happen at your club, as we've seen to the Tottenham one at the moment. I think Hearts are scheduled to bring one out soon, um, and it's maybe just becoming more commonplace in the modern football world as well. Normal is not a word that we're going to apply to what's happening at the moment, <laughs> that is for sure. Um, you, As you were saying, you were without Alex Gogic for, for that Aberdeen game, which... Could have been a crucial component for you on the day. Uh, and St Mirren, who you play on Saturday, are going to be minus Jack Anik um, as well. We're, 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 living in, uh, we're living in strange times, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's a byproduct of, the, of the, um, how thorough the testing procedures are at clubs in the Scottish Premiership. Um, they are um, you know, they're, they're relentless in terms of the regularity, regularity of them. And uh, I think the sensitivity of the tests that we have um, are high as well. So it means that the incident we have with Alex, the one that um, the gym has currently with Jack, um, I think will be commonplace through the, the course of the near future. And um, I suppose it, when you take a step back, Rob, it, isn't, it is in some ways no different to a player tweaking his hamstring the day before a game and the build-up to a game. It's just losing a player through unfortunate circumstances. And um, I think we're just going to have to become used to it. Um, and 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 I become accustomed to it and adapt to it. We had to do it in the, the Aberdeen game. We were important and found an important player, and and obviously the form that Jack Annick's been in for Jim. Then it's an important player that someone will be without at the weekend. But I, I, I think it will happen more and more often if we continue with the, the regularity of the of the testing. Um, then I'm sure it'll be more commonplace as the season goes on as well. Jack, good to hear from you, and uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, guys. Good to speak to you. Good luck, Jack. Jack. Good luck. All the best. That was the Hibs manager, Jack Ross. And we're going to be speaking to the former Rangers winger, Neil McCann, coming up. But it's news at six on the way. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go.
We're talking football on Go Radio on a daily basis, Monday to Friday, 5 till 7. Some great football chat already tonight on the show. Bertie Old, uh, Lisbon Lion, uh, telling us all about Jock Steen, who died 35 years ago today. Uh, he was in great form, Bertie, and uh, let's hope uh, we will hear from him again soon. We heard from Jack Ross just before the news, the Hibs manager, talking about what uh, his team has achieved so far and uh, talking about the rest of the season. Can they stay up at that top end of the Premiership? We will find out. We want you involved in the show as well, don't we, Ali? Yeah, give us a call. 0808 17 17 700. Get involved in the socials at Go Football Show and the text number is 87474. Put Go at the start of your message and it's your normal network rate to come through to the studio. And the VIP guests, Neil McCann, just go on and on and on. Good to have you with us, former Rangers and Scotland winger, one of the top pundits around as well, Neil. And uh, I'm just wondering how you're feeling on the back of the two Scotland games. We've been uh, talking plenty about that uh, in the last week or so. Um, Four points out of six, wonderful. Uh, How are you feeling about the Israel game coming up? Uh Listen, I think uh, I think first of all you touched on it. Four out of six would have probably taken, um, but probably would have expected that to come the slip, um, the three at home and one away. We'd have accepted accepted it all, but um, I think I'm uh, I'm pleased with that. And as as uh, Stevie always tries to go on the positives, it's five games unbeaten. But I think the level of performances uh, have been a wee bit disappointing. I know Stevie's tried the the different formation, and uh, and of course you're drawn right away to to young Scott. McTominay there playing right centre back, which I don't think um, worked, um, and that's no that's no disgrace in the boy because it, I think he's clearly playing out of position, um, a position he didn't look comfortable in, and I think it was highlighted. So if Stevie's going to go, he wants to have another formation that he can use and he can go to, which I think is very useful um, for any manager. But I think if he's going to play that formation, Rob, um, there's a lot more work to be done, and I think certain personnel um, changes. Required, but yeah, on the whole, four out of six is good. Uh, I still think that we need to up the performance at home in the in the playoff game, um, and we can get ourselves into the at least the, the final there to put ourselves an opportunity to go to the finals. So you're encouraged, as we all are, with that four points out of six. But are you worried um, based on what we've seen in terms of performance uh, about about this game coming up? Which which, after all, is the big one, isn't it? This this is the one yeah. in which we're two steps away potentially from the European finals. Yeah, I'm worried, Rob, but I, I'm, I'm worried that if we're going to play that formation, um, and, I've, and I've said right from from, uh, from minute one after the game, um, I don't think we will play that. I'd be, I'd be shocked, I have to say I'd be shocked if we played that, because Stevie generally has been pretty much 4-4-1-1, now that type of formation, it's two banks of four, it's really hard to beat, break down, and I think he's been really positive. In fact, the players had said that, it was a bit alien to them. Um, getting that game at home against Israel. So if if, if uh, we go and they play that formation and we go back to the what I, what I believe is, is Steve's preferred, then I'm a lot more confident. If we were playing the three, I just think defensively we looked a bit weak um, and giving up far too many chances. I mean, check the public and it wasn't the, the A score by any stretch of imagination. Rob, I think they had 18 attempts in our goal. So yeah, I would have a concern. But if we go back to the, the tried and, and trusted, I think, of Steve, which is 4-4, four, four, or whatever way he wants to play it, 2-1 one behind, I think John McGinn's much better coming on a deeper position. Yeah. Um, the players have had a cut of games, aren't they? the English players, I, I stress, uh, under their belts. 
so they'll be better for it. I'll be much more confident. Terry, how you doing? Sid. That's Sid. How Hi, doing? how are you doing? You okay? I'm good, thanks. Hi. Just touching on that, I'm just listening to you there. Obviously, I've kind of sang the praises of the international team over the last few years in terms of personnel. I think we do have players there to go and utilise and Definitely. put in better performances out with the last mm-hmm. two have been really flat. Uh, is it just a shape thing? Do you think, you know, square pegs and round holes a wee bit? I mean, I, I still think we've got, we've got players there. I, I mean, even the likes of Griffiths coming back mm-hmm. would be a huge asset for us. But I, I think we've got players there who, as you say, three, four weeks down the line, uh, getting into the Israel game, you know, domestic mm-hmm. duties back this weekend in Scotland, yeah. England starting up. Yeah. I think that's pluses for us. I think, we, I think we're all guilty as fans of the Scottish team Kind of getting into these games full of doom and gloom, albeit the mm-hmm. last two have been a bit mm-hmm. flat. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, in, I, I'm way on that. I mean, you and I have played in, in teams which you feel yourself, you're disappointed, you've let the nation down, we've not got beyond those stages that we wanted to get to and get to a major yeah. finals. Um, I know you've experienced that, obviously, different to me and because you have been there, but I'm looking at it, I agree with you. I don't, sometimes I. Uh, as you, as you, the phrase you use is a square peg in a round hole or vice versa. Sometimes it can work. Yeah. And I think one of those things that might work, and as I said to you, this is a big dilemma that Steve's got. One of them is the left-back area. Two world-class left-backs, yeah. in my opinion, Tierney yeah. and Robertson. And sometimes we'll try to manufacture a way. And maybe that's why the reason we're playing a three, where Kieran has been playing for Arsenal in the left-back, yeah. uh, left uh, of a three, and then Andy Robertson uh, in the wing-back position. But... Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be adverse to putting uh, to your net right back because yeah. there's, there's plenty of examples of top players, the fullbacks areas who have uh, Sandy Jard and Danny McGrain guys yeah. who wouldn't think that's, right. that's a that's a strongest suit, but they're outstanding. So I think Robertson left back um, and to your right back wouldn't be a bad shout for me. Yeah. You're right, you've got some super players. McTominay, I, I've got I've got sympathy for because I think he's an outstanding. Uh, central midfielder, I think you can play holding midfielder. Yeah. We've got McGinn, we've got McGregor. You, you mentioned Griffiths. It's a crying shame for us, said that we've not got Griffiths back because I actually looking at um, at Big Dykes and thinking he'd be dynamite with Big Dykes up front. Yeah. Absolutely dynamite because he's an absolute poacher. He's the best finisher I think we've got. Yeah, can play off and around him, yeah. From. But Dykes, I think, has been a massive and I think probably the biggest positive to come out of these last two games. He's a runner, he's already off the mark for us. But there's players here that could get us to our finals and there's players here that I think once we're in the finals could actually do well. Um, and as you said, we're going to be another three weeks down the line for the English guy, Robertson McGinn, who clearly looks as if he needs it um, uh, to, to pick one or two there that will be further forward in their fitness and will be better come the Israel game. So it's up to Stevie to pick the best that he thinks is possible uh, to choose that will get us that win. But I do believe that's in a force. So if it means Tierney or Robertson a choice there I think Stevie has to do it uh, I would do it I would, I would pick Andy Robertson but, uh, but I would slide Tierney over to the right back position I think Stevie O'Donnell still try to see us for fitness I think Liam Palmer did well okay the other night particularly going forward but uh, would Kieran Tierney be a, maybe a better shout 
possibly yes. That's an interesting shout. We'd Darren Jackson on the show last night and, and we were speaking about Lee Griffiths, which I, I must admit had kind of gone from my mind a little bit. I was I was a bit cons- I was I was worrying so much about this game coming up that I'd kind of forgotten that, that Griffiths could well be ready to right. rock for Celtic coming back out of the international break and for Scotland as well. Darren Jackson mm. threw in uh, Billy Gilmore uh, as a possibility to put into the mix as well. And the other one that, that came to mind uh, who might be have enough sharpness, Neil, um, come the Scotland game um, mm-hmm. is Ryan Fraser who's obviously just signed for Newcastle Yeah well obviously there was a lot made out of Ryan in his, his, his end of days at Bournemouth um, and he's not been playing or whatever but yeah he's at Newcastle now uh, I wouldn't be sh- Gilmore is, a, is absolutely a talent a talent, but I don't know if he would get ahead of some of the midfielders already playing well to be honest but certainly he should be starting to Breakthrough. Was he not injured if I'm wrong? I think he's injured just now. I think he's got a Yeah, he's injured just now, so I'm sure he had a big injury. He's not crushing him, so I think he comes out of the equation. But we've still got Owen McBurney. The boys have been battered for pulling out of the game. I think both managers have stressed that there's a reason for that. If he wasn't going to be 100%, I think he was already getting some pressure thrown at him. So we've got guys um, who I believe can beef up the squad and and make us uh, a good outfit. But Griffiths is the most frustrating one, and I don't want to go on here because I know what papers are like, whatever, they'll, they'll, they'll take a quote uh, out of context, they'll use a certain way and break it down, and suddenly it looks like I'm criticising him. But sooner or later, Lee needs to understand that he needs to get himself right, and if he needs to help to get him to, to the position where he's actually... I mean, it's, a, it's I think Neil Lennon will be thinking, I need, I need Griffiths. If Edouard goes, then, then Griffiths is better than Kamala. Uh, a yeti is yet unknown, but um, we need him firing for Scotland because without doubt, I mean, you're right, Rob, he's a guy that could fire us to, to glory. And as I said, I think he's an ideal partnership. If we are to go with one, one maybe slightly behind a three year role, if it isn't again, Griffiths and Dykes could be really, really effective. I just had a wee check there. I think it's um, four months that Billy Gilmer was out yeah. after a knee surgery. Yeah. He, he yeah. missed the last little bit. Yeah, of the so, season he, so he's Chelsea. one. Yeah, he's 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 one for the future. He's definitely one for yeah. the future. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's kick on our conversation to to the club football returning this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, six uh, three o'clock kickoffs, which uh, doesn't happen too often. Um, what about your old team, Rangers? Neil against mm-hmm. Dundee United at Ibrox on, on Saturday. They lead the way uh, coming out yeah. of the, of the break. How do you expect things to go from here? And 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 how much are we dependent on what the transfer window, the extended window, mm-hmm. is going to throw at us over the over the next weeks? Because uh, there are still quite a few question marks hanging over, aren't there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the extended uh, transfer window, Rob, will, will give opportunity to, to continue the strength but, but with the extended window there's still opportunity there that they maybe lose or they, or they come under a real bit of pressure for an attractive offer as well where they had one for, for Kent haven't they and they've already had uh, inquiries about Barris uh, and it's no surprise I mean they're two top players but I expect Rangers to hold on to those two players because I do believe that they have been better on this team I think they've, they've started the season terrifically well I know they didn't get a result against Rangers but you know, um, it was a tough game. Celtic lost there last year. It's no disgrace not to win there, but of other outside, outside of that, other games have been exceptional. I mean, to to equal a record, a long-standing record of clean sheets, is, is superb. They're scoring freely. It, it seems. I think Ryan Kent has suddenly become the main man. I think I, I like that. He's, he's taking the responsibility role because yeah. he had to last year. 
when Morelos stopped scoring after a year, it killed Rangers' chances of a, of, of success by winning the league because not enough players around them had chipped in. So I think guys like Kent and Barker seem to be getting a run just now. They've got a revo come back from injury. They've got players that are really performing, and I'm, I think the way Rangers are, are, are starting to play, they've had a set style of play. And it's been really effective, in particular Europe, and up until uh, January last year, or certainly the window, um, or the break. Um, they were really good. But it's continued in that way. I think Barisic has been superb. Tavin here has yeah. been, there's been criticism of playing two holding midfielders. But actually, you can see by the clean sheets, that extra bit of security means you only need one goal if you're keeping a clean sheet. Yeah. So... That way of playing, I think, has been properly bedded in now. I think Rangers are looking comfortable. And as I've said, I mean, Celtic's mental strength over the last nine series uh, seasons, OK, Rangers haven't been in a couple of them, or a few of them, but they've shown a mental strength to get the job done. They're going to have to show it again because they come under pressure last year. They came back from the break and they were outstanding. I mean, they were brilliant. And they showed that that's what you need to be champions. It's not just about a short period. You need a duration. I still don't know. You need that longevity for the season to become champions. But I think Rangers are serious contenders, and I think it will help them Rob, being front runners because um, I think it sets uh, the, 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 the bar to say, right, it's better to have points on the board. You've now got to play catch up. And I think also throwing the next and maybe touch on this, I think we're going to discuss it as a, as a fan who's not been in the stadium. I think it will help Rangers. But maybe not so much Celtic. If that, that sounds a bit weird, maybe. But my reasons for that is that maybe Rangers players didn't quite handle the pressure of the full houses last year. Because as Sid will tell you, when it's nip and tuck, you're coming in after the games, you're asking how the other side did, and and the fans are not stupid. They're listening to radios, they're getting any amount of texts to say we need a goal because Celtic have scored, or the pressure. The pressure ramps up from the stands, and sometimes maybe Rangers players didn't quite handle it last year. And that's what I'm talking about, Celtic had the mental strength. But if the fans are not there generating that pressure, then I think Rangers, it might help some of those players. They now understand what it's like, the expectation level. But Celtic on the other side, I know they're piping in all the crowd uh, noise and stuff, but suddenly... They're playing catch-up. They have to generate their own... Uh, it's a different, it's a different experience, isn't it? It's a different experience totally. for the Celtic it's been weird, players know, because they've been leading for the front for, for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unusual yeah, for them to be playing catch-up, isn't it? It is, yeah. And as I said, it's a different question now yep. that they're being asked. And listen, you can't, you can't be saying that they've not answered questions in the past, but this is a different question, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting, as you say, Neil, as to how some of the new players who've just joined the squad will mm-hmm. be when the fans do eventually get back into the stadium because they won't have performed in front of the Rangers fans, some of them, the new signings. Yeah, well, that's a consideration, but it can also be said for for uh, across the city as well. You know, you've got sure. you've got those yeah you've got those players that are going to have to deal with that uh, expectancy and the pressure. I mean, some of these players won't have uh, understood that type of pressure. I mean, you know what Glasgow is like and you don't escape it if you just move out of Glasgow it follows you. <laughs> but if you've got a bad result I mean, it really is. And because of the nature of Celtics um, what they stand on to create history of 10 in a row potentially and the flip side of, of, of that is over the other side in, in Rangers camp where they don't want that but they're, they're, they're endeavouring to try and get success. So wherever you go outside you'll be met by a Rangers or a Celtic fan. And a lot of these players maybe wouldn't have experienced that. So when the fans do get back in, and I, I really sincerely hope that that is a, 
sooner rather than later, although the, the, the noises come out today that could be later. But when they do get back in, that will be a, a total change of, uh, of mindset again that those players will then have to adapt to. We're looking for one or two answers, aren't we, to questions coming out of this international break. The question about, is Lee Griffiths ready? Is he going to come back? Is he going to be strong enough? Is he going to play a big part for Celtic from, from here on in? And the Alfredo Morelos question, which is a, a long-running issue, uh, mm. Neil, and it could it could become a problem for Rangers if this drags on, doesn't it? Will he, will he come out of the break fitter, ready to go and get back scoring goals again and answers the question? Or is it just a matter yeah. of time before Rangers get the price and he goes? Look, it's all hypothetical regarding Morelos because um, uh, we don't know what he's going to come back. I know he's come off, um, he's been on the bench, Rangers have gone out and strengthened. The folk probably, I would imagine he'll be quite close now after his hamstring injury. They've got Itton and Ruth now. They've got other options up top. I've spoken about Kent chipping in the goals. Um, uh, so, so suddenly around about him, he's maybe not the actual uh, linchpin that maybe he was towards uh, the first part of the season last year so will Rangers consider offers I don't know Rob, are there enough goals elsewhere well yeah well I think they've shown that there's, there's absolutely there's lots of goals within the squad they're keeping clean sheets and I said if you only need one then yeah. to win games but Morelos is still a superb player and, and, and what I wouldn't do is want to devalue his ability or to devalue um, what Rangers might achieve in the transfer market because his ability is still there it's just maybe that his attitude has, has, uh, has changed. I think Stephen had come out and probably and said his head was turned, and that can happen to a young boy. But I look across the city and you look at Edward. Now, could, his head could have been turned, but he doesn't show any signs. He's still scoring goals. He's still performing at a level. And once you stop performing, that's when, as Sid will tell you, that's when the teammates will turn around and say, hold on a second, we're not accepting that because we're chasing a title. There's other guys there that are, that are waiting uh, to take your place. So... This is a decision that Stephen will have to make, but Morelos has to get himself right and be professional enough to turn back at Rangers and be fired and then ready to say, no, I want to be the main man again. Because that will increase his value, it will increase his options elsewhere, and he might get that move that maybe he craves. But Lee Griffiths, Rob, is a difficult one for me to go on because there's so many variables there. I, I don't pretend to understand what is what troubles that Lee Griffiths has off the park or, or, or what he's having to get fit. He might have underlying injuries that we don't know about so what I would like to just say is I really do hope he gets back fit healthy right through my mind because as I said I'm a Scotland fan yeah. as well and I want him in the team because with Lee Griffiths fan as he's proved in the past he can score goals I look at his goals against England come up with a piece of magic then I think Lee Griffiths gives Scotland better opportunity to qualify Yeah it would be great to think that he is back and ready for that Scotland-Israel game next month Neil great to talk to you all the best. Hopefully, hear you from much. you soon as Thanks, well. Thanks. That's the former Cheers, Rangers care, and Scotland where Neil McCann on the Go Radio Football Show 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. It's your football show and it's all the better when you are involved as well. Some great contributions tonight from our VIP guests uh, Bertie Old earlier on, Hibs manager Jack Ross, former Rangers and Scotland winger Neil McCann was terrific, wasn't he? Um, oh, yeah. On the back of the news at six and uh, we'd like to hear from you as well. How can we do that? Yep, you just give us a call 0808 17 17 700. You can get in the phone lines. Maybe you've got a question for Sid or you can drop us a text 87474. Put go at the start of your message and of course we're on, on all the socials at Go Football Show. You can get us there. 
It's Ali Defoy, it's Rob McLean, it's former Celtic striker Simon Donnelly in the studio. And we were talking mental health and uh, what football can do to help. It is, of course, World Suicide Prevention Day. And obviously, uh, mental health has become a much bigger talking point. Thankfully, in recent times, it's been out there anyway, but it's certainly been a big issue in the last uh, six months with lockdown and uh, loads of people climbing the walls. We got around to that very subject last night in the studio and uh, this was the former Rangers of Scotland captain Barry Ferguson. It's important that people speak out um, about it and don't hide it. Um, and It's great to see over the last year the famous people, um, the, the sports people have come out and, and spoke about it. It's refreshing to see and there's been so many people helped by, by that because um, just your, your, your normal person sitting in the house, it may be the, one of their heroes that is speaking about it, and that will then allow them to say, right, you know what, if they can do it, I can go and seek the help. Cowden Beath striker David Cox has made a, a big contribution to the subject uh, in recent times. Hi, David. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. T- tell us, just as a background, tell us, tell us your story um, before we start getting into, into more detail. Uh, well, I've, I've suffered, obviously, I've had mental health problems uh, probably about the age of 14, 15. I've started self-harming and stuff like that. And throughout the past 15 years or so, I've um, I've made kind of many attempts on, on my life. Um, and a lot of it kind of just getting worse over the years and stuff like that. But I've been, I've been in hospital when we overdoses. And, and maybe the last time I had a really bad supper was maybe four years ago or so um, when I actually cut my own throat so um, I'm kind of coming to an end with that kind of stuff for now finding myself in a better place now but um, I have, I've, I've suffered for, for the age of 14 or 15 um, and, and as I say I'm, I'm just starting to get to kind of get up there at the moment How have you got to, to a better place? I think it's, it's took a, obviously a lot of things to happen over the years and, and to try and see the right type of people and get my myself in a kind of better frame of mind and the way I deal with things and stuff like that as well but as I say it, it, it's not happened overnight for me that's that's the kind of thing I always say to people when I speak to them like there, there's so much help out there but um, it's took me it's took me up to the past four years just to kind of get a grip on things and it's just about building yourself up that kind of wee toolkit of things that's going to help you get through the tough moments and how you deal with things because a lot of it's obviously it's just in your it, it's not just in your mind, but it, but it's how you deal with it and, and how you react to things. And that's the way I've I've changed a lot of what I've been doing over the past and, and how I see things and how I deal with it a bit better now. So, as I say, it's took me a long time to do it, but I'm kind of getting getting to the other end of it. And don't get me wrong, I still have my days um, more often than I'd like to, but I'm finding, obviously, a better way to deal with it now um, than, I, than I did before, and especially when I was younger as well. The abuse that's been hurled at you at times has been absolutely shocking. Not not just from sidelines and supporters who should know better, but but on the pitch as well. I mean, it's hard to yeah. believe. Yeah, um, you don't expect these type of things, but at the end of the day, it's it's something that happens, and I don't think it's something that's ever going to change. To be quite honest with you, um, listen, football's obviously it's played in the, heat, in the heat in the moment and stuff like that and people say things they may be not mean or they may not say and stuff like that as well but it's hard to just tell somebody to kind of go on with it or forget about it or 
it's kind of the winding up stuff part and parcel of the game. But when it becomes personal with things like that, it's it's a step too far. Do you know what I mean? For me, it's on the same it's on the same kind of lines as being racist and uh, homophobic or anything like that. It wouldn't be, it, nobody would stand for it. So I don't just because you don't see this this illness um, physically doesn't mean that it's um, it doesn't affect people in the same ways as other things do as well. So. And again, like don't get me wrong, I'm not an angel on the part and stuff like that, but I don't I don't get personal when it comes to things like that. And especially when you know people's stories and, and, and how they've tried to come out and help others um out of a situation that they've been in themselves, um and for somebody to kinda of bring you down for that, it's it's hard to take. Um, David, as Ali here, you've been raising awareness for this over the past couple of years incredibly well but how do we and what do maybe the football associations need to do to actually get further and, and help with this because there's there's obviously so much more that can be done No definitely I think obviously before I'd done my story and stuff I, I never really seen a lot of things that was out there to help anybody and, and obviously with me talking to a lot of different people and and different managers and stuff like that, I ended up coming and done my story. And, I, and after that, I was in touch with the PFA and they were doing a lot for me and things like that as well. And I do see clubs trying to up, up their, their game in terms of raising awareness for things and stuff like that, but there still needs to be more done in the background, I feel, for players just out and out with the football as well. Because for people like me who play part-time and stuff like that, I'm just like a normal person, do you know what I mean? So... I'm not going to be on my game all the time, whatever else. But when I go and turn up at football and I need to listen to things, I hear sometimes like it's hard, and and we need, we need to kind of go home with that. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's left at football. Um, there's never really any follow up there or any help in terms of outside of the club um, for boys like us um, to go and to seek and things like that. And I find myself one of the lucky ones because I've got the ability to go and see people through the PFA and things like that as well um, at the drop of a hat but I just I just think clubs could be doing so much more in terms of the people that are getting caught with these kind of things or doing these kind of things um, within terraces players and stuff like that as well um, that it should be treated the same as as I say racism and stuff like that it's just um, but in my personal opinion I, I don't see things I don't see how you ha- how you change it in terms of fit for a fan's point of view or if somebody says something in the pitch, do you know what I mean? It could be taken as, or he's just saying that, or do you know what I mean? It's, it's a really hard one to, to judge. pick up on. Yeah, to judge, do you know what I mean? I could be saying that somebody said that to wind me up or I'm trying to get away with something, I'm trying to get them in trouble just like they would be in a pitch if they're saying I've done this or that, do you know what I mean? So it can be tough for that. And then again with the fans and stuff like that, like, People get to go to games, they get to go to hospitality, they get to have a drink. When drink starts getting involved and people start saying things, it's 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 hard to stop people opening their mouth. And, and don't get me wrong, like, people will say things and it's, it's just out of the heat at the moment. You know what it's like with football and stuff like that, but it's not acceptable. But there, there, there doesn't seem to be as much done about it or looked into it as much as it would be if you if, if you were racist in the park or, or anything like that, or if, you, if you threw a punch at somebody or, or that yeah. kind of thing. So... Um, it's a hard one. It's a hard one to kind of judge, and there needs to be a kind of sit down and, and I think about what what we really can do to, to kind of stop things or make sure that players are okay in, in terms of stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're just we're human like MDL. So I mean, just because we're seeing 
to play sport and, and be role models and stuff like that. It's still, it's still, I'm, I'm just the same as the people that are watching the football. You know I, mean? I still get feelings the same as the people that are watching the football and I'll react to things as, as the same as they do. Do you know what I mean? Um, but they, be, they just seem to be picked up in it a bit more and ultimately punished for it. Do you know what I mean? David, it's Simon Domley here. How you doing, mate? How you doing, mate? Listen, it's admirable. It probably says more about yourself and what you are like as a human being that you're actually almost defending the, the people that have are, are seen a reason behind why these people have, you know, objected you to this abuse. I, I read a bit of your story before we came on on air, and I'm appalled to to think that people within the game, you know. I can't even accept fans, you know, going down that route, but within the game, yeah. you know, abusing you that way, it's terrible. I really admire your bravery, mate. It's an inspiration. Uh, as you describe yourself, you're a normal normal guy, human being. Uh, I'm aware, obviously, of... Fergie touched on it in the wee bit before we got you on air about uh, people being able to look up to their heroes. Like, I know Chris Boyd uh, runs a, a charity with mental health. They had Henrik Larson on, who's been affected with it through his brother. But then there's guys yeah. like yourself, you know, everyday guys. I've I've just went back into coaching at Breakin part time, and it's a, a really young squad uh, who are making their way in the game, and it's something that I'll think differently of as a coach. I'll probably think differently yeah. as a father. I've got three sons, two teenagers, so this affects everybody. And I really appreciate you speaking out. Uh, as I say, it says more about you that you can actually find a way that you're almost defending these people because it's appalling. You shouldn't have to tolerate that stuff. Yeah, and listen, it's took me it's took me a bit of time to get to that stage where I'm no angry about it, and and, and, and as you say, I need to think about it. Is it says more about me than it does about them. One hundred percent. But we're humans. We do things. We've all made mistakes in our life, and we all say things. Sometimes we might not like the thought we say it before thinking about what we've said. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't excuse it, but people need to be more aware of what they're saying. And just because maybe like your normal punter that goes to the game and that it's the release, it's the day out and stuff like that as well. End of the day, it's a job for us too. Do you know what I mean? Especially for people are part time players. It's your like, release as well, away. mate. It's your release football Aye. for 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 anybody. You know, anybody that's in love with the game, it's your release for ninety minutes. Especially, yeah. especially at the moment. Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, we've all been uh, affected in different ways. You know, suffering lockdown, everybody losing businesses and stuff, and. I think this has been yeah. brought to the, the fore even more, you know, after the the last five or six months. But it's your release as well on a, a Saturday to go and play football. What, yeah. what, have, what I mean, without getting us take, getting us taken off air, uh, David. What, what, have, what have people what have people shouted at you on the pitch, fellow players? I've had people kind of tell me to watch my wrists and stuff like that, and obviously referring to it when, I, when I cut my wrists and stuff like that, and I've told the story in the paper. And then I've just had other boys that they're, they're trying to be. No, it's no, it's not so much saying detailed things. It will be like oh, we all know your story, not I better not wind you up because you'll react like this or that, react like that, and you're a psycho. And it's it's a way without saying it. It's a way of saying it without saying it, really. But in my mind, I know, I know yeah, what they mean, mean, and and it, I, I need to sit back and either accept that or be somebody who's going to stand up and do something with it. Do you know what I mean? And it's, in football, it's it's heat of the moment stuff. So I mean, if I react to that. Who's going to get in trouble? Who's going to be the one that looks bad? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's incredible, David. You have you've been playing, if I'm not mistaken, with players who you've then who've been abusive to you, and then they've been in your team, so then become yep. teammates. Is that right? I, I yep. it blows my mind that you are able to just 
well, turn up, be professional, play your game, knowing how they have been towards you and knowing their lack of knowledge and understanding of mental health is so it's so disrespectful. It's terrible. Yeah. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, as I say, people say things, and, and sometimes you need to just kind of bite the bullet. You're in a professional game. You're you need to react, uh, act professional. You know what I mean? If I, if I can spit the dumb stuff that's not going to do anything for me it's not going to do anything for my performances and stuff like that so I need to just get on, get on with it but end of the day it says more about me than it does about those people and see ultimately the other ones are going to feel bad about it and I hope they do feel a bit strange running about stuff and that but it is what it is and, and I, as I say I don't see personally I don't see things changing anytime soon in terms of things like that because it's just one of those games where everything's in high tensions. Everybody wants to win. You want to be a winner. Do you know what I mean? And to get people either wound up and get them themselves. That's what people do with me. Mm. And that's what the boy done with me the last time I played. It says something about I'm known as a player who's a bit of a hothead and I get stuck in about things and stuff like that. So if you can get me on the edge, say something like that, I'm gone. And I, it's no fair, but people do these kind of things and it's just that's just... Life sometimes, although it's not, it's not acceptable. That's that's unfortunately, it's unfortunately just that's just the way the world is sometimes. Let's have a wee think about physical health because you're obviously a very successful. You own a gym business. You've had a gorgeous little girl. You've played some of the best football in your life, and of course, lockdown has happened. Um, how do you feel physical health helps with your mental health? Because I know for me personally, it's it's massive. No, massive. At the start of lockdown, ah. Uh, Obviously, I had to shut my gym and stuff like that. So I kind of gave all my stuff up to my clients and let them do whatever they're doing at home. I took a lot of stuff up the road and I was trying to train as much as I could. I did really struggle, um, to be quite honest. Um, and I think I was lucky in the sense that I had my gym so I could go in there myself and do my own bit, um, which I was doing. And then I think I went through a period of maybe three months or so where I wasn't doing much at all. And I really, really struggled. But over the past four or five weeks, I've been getting back into it. I've been training with uh, some of my mates now outside, and we've, we've been doing a bit. And I feel so much better for it. Like um, really clear in my head. Obviously, when you feel fit, you feel great. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing that really bothers me. But I'm like um, So I've just been training as hard as I can um, every other day, and and that's what I've like. It's been hard for the world and obviously be gym shutting. Not just for people that play football, not just for people that are involved in sports and that, but for the whole country. Like, mental health... Like, fitness is so underrated for mental health, um, for, for making uh, your mental health good. Um, it's For me, it's my go-to. I would rather go and do a workout in the gym than, than go and drink at the weekend or anything like that. You know what I mean? It's, the gym's my pub for me. Um, not a big drinker and stuff like that. So I'd rather go and do some of that. I just think if everybody else gets into that kind of, not that mind frame, but once you try it, you know what it's like, and the people that do that kind of stuff, they, they understand. Um, uh, so I, it's been massive for me, but I did really struggle with a lockdown to begin with. How confident can you feel, David, about the way ahead because of what what's in the past? It's hard. Last year, I don't know if you've seen some of my stuff, I was, I was nearly chucking it. I took six weeks off. Um, after some stuff had happened and these things happened and they play on people's minds and people deal with things differently and they'll hold on to things for longer than other people and for me it was really getting on my nerves it was making me 
turned into a right hothead. I was getting involved in loads of stuff in the park. So it was the things that were happening. I was holding on to it. I was getting home. I wasn't speaking to people about it. I was letting it boil up. My anger was getting getting worse and stuff. And I was just getting into a game and I'd be, I'd be mouthing to the referee. I'd be getting stuck into boys and stuff like that. And you get involved in stuff and then you get booked and you get sent off and. And there's a there's a whole bigger picture running about in that. But the, the only thing that people see is oh, he's a hothead or he's this or when people call me a wee Ned and I'm just a waste of space and I'm, and I'm on steroids and I'm this and I'm that and just all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's just like it's it's hard to deal with. There's always a bigger picture behind something. Yeah. And that's what I found when I look back at me like me I'd, people always judge. We're too quick to judge as human beings, definitely too quick to judge. There's always something, there's a story behind it. Everybody's got their own story, do you know what I mean? And the, the way somebody reacts, if somebody's shooting stuff to me about my mental health and stuff like that, they've got, maybe got problems of their own, and that's maybe how they invent it. That's maybe, it might not be right, but there's things I've done in my life that's not right, and that's just, that's, I've done it because it's the, only thing I've, it's the only thing I've knew, do you know what I mean? Um, mine's always been growing up with anger and stuff like that, so that, that was my first reaction to things, and that's always like a bad name about myself, and... I always want to get involved in this and I always want to get involved in that. But it's it's what I knew. It's the way I grew up. And it's only now as I'm getting older and I start to look back at things and I start to realise that, right, don't beat yourself up for it. Do you know what I mean? The only thing you can do now is just change the way you are. Um, so moving forward, it just needs to be, we need to, it's easy to say, but we, we need to think about things we do and, and the way we act and that before, we, before things are said and done because... Sometimes you kind of take things back, and something. Uh, sometimes you you kind of turn the, the clock back and and change what's happened. And as I say, that's happened to me over over the course of my life. And there's things that I I don't regret it because it's brought me where I am now, made me the person I'm. But looking forward, I think we just need to. When it comes to things with mental health, that is such a it's such a big thing now, and especially over this lockdown, it's going to have doubled, if not more. Yeah, people's. Um, Poor mental health is going to be through the roof, um, and there's going to be a lot of people in a bad, bad place that, that come out of the end of this lockdown and stuff like that. So we just need to be more aware of how we treat people and be aware of the signs of people who might be struggling. Yeah, well done to you. Uh, you're certainly making a, a massive contribution, David, to the, to the conversation, and hopefully it uh, extends and continues as we go along. Inspirational, as Simon said, is the word, and it's been really good to hear from you on that subject tonight. Thanks very much, guys. All the best to you. Cheers, best, David. Stay strong. I'm good. Take care, guys. Bye bye. The, the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Ali Defoy, Rob McLean, Simon Donnelly here with you tonight on the Go Radio Football Show. And we're into the last 10 minutes. Wow. Bri- brilliant, Simon. You hear there from David Cox. As you said there before, inspirational, you know, what that guy's went through. And we need more people like him to, you know, stand up and speak out because. We've all been guilty in the past of maybe judging people. Uh, as I say, from a parent, I've got three kids. You, you always have to look out. I'm now back in coaching. It's a predominantly young squad. Not that it's just targeted at, at young people, but you, you have to be aware of what's going on between people's ears. Right. Uh, St Mirren have confirmed uh, that goalkeeper Jack Anik is the player self-isolating after testing positive for COVID-19 on Monday. It follows the news that housemate Lee Hodson, the former St Mirren fullback now with Hamilton Ackies, is having to isolate for 14 days. Anik will miss St Mirren's games against Hibernian and Celtic. His name, of course, has uh, come into the public domain. And here's his manager, Jim Goodwin. 
private issue, but at the same time, I think somebody has managed to leak it online. It's out there on social media, and there's no point us denying it. I think it'll be um, you know perfectly clear to everyone when the team is selected on Saturday anyway who it is uh, who's involved. So yeah, we're um, we're disappointed for Jack, but at the same time, he's he's doing well. He's recovering, and um, you know he's following the uh, instructions given to him by the doctor. So Jack Anik missing for uh, St Mirren on Saturday and of course we had Jack Ross on the show earlier on uh, talking about that uh, Hibs nil Aberdeen 1 scoreline going into the international break on a day when Hibs were minus the former Hamilton Ackies midfielder Alex Gogic and it's uh, becoming a, a situation that's all too familiar. This is something that's just going to continue to happen throughout the course of the season as long as this virus is here then uh, you know footballers and, and every other member of the public will continue to, to get it. What I can say from our point of view as a club, um, you know, there's no way that Jack has picked it up while he's been here at Ralston or down at the stadium. Um, it used to be great goals and great saves and groin strains, but uh, <laughs> it's a whole new language in the game, Simon, at the moment, isn't it? It is, and just without, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be light-hearted about it, but it's another thing for, for managers to deal with that we never ever thought the importance is obviously health and curtailing the spread of this virus. But as Jim says, there, this is going to happen again. You know, at the moment, until until we get some sort of cure or vaccination for that, it's going it's going to happen. And unluckily uh, for Jim and St Mirren, it's Jack Anik who's probably been the best player so yeah, far. Yeah, and goalkeeper. You know, so it's it's just it's devastating. It is. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see it all over your face, Ali. But it's it's. Uh, it is, it's just another thing that managers are going, going to have to consider uh, or come to terms with uh, and deal with because it's going to happen again. I think the clubs are doing everything in their power. He's stated there that it's not been picked up anywhere around about the, the club, uh, but you're away from the club, you're in shops, you're here, you're there. Family uh, members nipping yeah, in and out, you can't control everything. You just can't everything. control everything at all, so we're just going to have to try and manage it. Jim's looking for some good news and I guess, well, he's got some uh, in that St Mirren have signed Lee Irwin uh, who was most more recently at Ross County and, and having seen him coming off the bench a couple of times for them this season, um, he's looked good. Yeah, he's one actually when we were in the game we, we were interested in uh, down at you. I think he went for a period down to Leeds after Motherwell uh, yeah. after hitting the scene, you know, with Motherwell scoring a few goals. Big, powerful centre-forward, strong runner. With, with a good touch as well. Yeah, I, I just think maybe he's had a wee, lost his way a little bit, maybe looking for a, a freshen up, a new club. Maybe it's going to be St Mirren, get himself fully fit after this lockdown and, and get a few goals behind him, confidence high, but he's he's definitely got something there. It's going to be an interesting game, that one, isn't it? As We're on Thursday now, so we are starting to look ahead two days to those games. Uh, six, three o'clock kickoffs on uh, Saturday. So let's deal with that one, St Mirren against Hibs. Um, we're talking about Jack Anik being missing, Lee Irwin coming in for, for St Mirren. Um, pretty decent start for, to the season for Jim Goodwin, a bit like yeah. Ross Kenty getting, getting points on the board. Yeah. Um, and, and Hibs, until losing to, to Aberdeen at home, have been flying as well. Yeah, and Jack Ross going back to his, his old stomping ground as yep. well. Adds a wee bit of spice to it. Yeah, as I say, St Man will be hoping to uh, continue their good start to the season. Hibs will be looking for the bounce back. I, I think Hibs would... Um, Careful what I'm saying here, Rally. No, I, do you know what? All about honest football chat. But I can I think, take it. Uh, <laughs> I would fancy Hibs there to get back on winning ways. 
Let's I always talk- like being the underdog, it's fine. <laughs> Just as well, really. <laughs> oh! uh, let, let's talk about Aberdeen against Kilmarnock and I guess two teams who probably didn't want the international break to come because Aberdeen won at Easter Road, that game we've been speaking about, and Kilmarnock got their first win of the season. Um, I was lucky enough to be there watching it. They beat Dundee United 4-0. It was sparkling stuff considering they hadn't won so far this season. Didn't see it coming. I did no. not see that coming because Dundee United themselves had started the season particularly well it's a great result at home Kilmarnock always relatively strong at home on the plastic pitch Aberdeen again came into a wee bit of criticism with the slow start missing games but I've got the points on the board and I've moved right up the table and I'd probably go for a, a home win with that one did, Aberdeen did you, just shading it What did you think of the Rory McKenzie goal? The one from end to end fantastic yeah. finish goal, goal of the month probably uh, as I say that was that was a result I've never seen coming at all. It was maybe just a case you can maybe back me up being there. Just everything happened. Everything seemed to click into place on the on the day. Yeah, Dundee United weren't that bad actually. Yeah. Um, they played a lot of good football, but but Kilmarnock were clinical. Yeah. Like every you know, they, and and all four goals funny, had had something about them. When games like that happen, it's it's great, isn't it? You know, for for the team concerned, just uh, everything seems to hit the back of the net. But certainly, eyebrows were raised in my household when I when I seen that result. Talking of um, Dundee United, um, there's talk of Lauren Shanklin being back, uh, possibly for that game against Rangers at Ibrox on on Saturday. So, so that that would be. I mean, that's gonna. They've already started the season really well, you would have to say. Yeah. But he obviously guarantees goals. He's the go-to man. You know, he's he's worked himself into the international setup last year in the Championship, bagging goals left, right, and centre. It's going to be interesting to see if he can do it at this level. I'm quite sure he. He'll put himself in the positions again. He's one of these guys that always seems to find that position in and around the build, uh, in and around the box. And as you say, it can only be a plus for United because they have started the season well without him. So that's a, that's probably game of the day at Ibrox Rangers Dundee United. Yeah, Rangers unbeaten, of course, with that great defensive record and looking to kick on from where they are. They'll be very conscious of and got off to a head start against Celtic and they'll want to keep that advantage as long as possible. 100%. As we touched on when uh, Neil was on the, the show earlier on, uh, it's an unusual situation, you know, albeit the ball and goalie issue and Celtic missing out in games, now playing catch-up. It's a different test. Interesting. Um, Ross Kenty Celtic we spoke about it I touched on it earlier on how do you think that one's going to go? Do you need to ask me? <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I, don't I, think feel, I feel duty bound to <laughs> I don't think it'll be easy but I think Celtic will take the three points Right so let's go through them because we we did run this past Barry last night in the All studio right. um, okay. Aberdeen Kilmarnock Home win Shade it Aberdeen Livingston Hamilton I'm going to go for a draw Motherwell St Johnston I think Motherwell need a result St Johnson have had a couple of decent ones. I think I'm going to go home win Motherwell. Rangers Dundee United. I'm going to go Rangers to just edge it. But Shanklin to score. Two, <laughs> two one Shanklin to <laughs> yeah. score. Um, right, Ross County Celtic. So it's just a question of how big a how big a scoreline that's going to be in your old team's favour. I think Celtic with the fresh faces. It'll be interesting to see who starts. Will win that game by two or three goals. And St Mirren Hibs. And I'm going to be careful what I say because Ali is staring over at me again. Not at all. I'm going to go 2-1 Hibs. Thanks to you, Simon. Thanks to our great guests on the show as well, to Bertie Old and to Jack Ross and to Neil McCann and to David 
Cox inspirational chat and of course helplines available. Yeah, there's plenty. If you go onto the at Go Football Show, we've retweeted it, but the Samaritans, as you might know, the Calm Zone, back on side, time to tackle, there's plenty there, or NHS. You can have a look on the website, it's all there. We're back tomorrow. Cy Ferry will be with us on the Go Radio Football Show, five till seven. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go!